When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Michigan Maniacs. This is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer, and this is the reaction episode of the Maryland game. That's right, guys. Before we get into it, though, let's do some housekeeping. Go to YouTube, subscribe, hit the little bell, whatever, so you get alerted every time I put something up. Then go to the uh, social media portion of this, which is the Michigan Maniac Podcast fan page on Facebook, and then the Michigan Maniac Podcast on Instagram. Uh, go ahead, like, and subscribe there, guys. Uh, let's see. Also, if you guys want a free sticker, uh, I'm actually going to have to order more because most of you guys are finally taking me, taking me up on my offer. Uh, go to wherever platform you have. Actually, you know what? Let's limit that. Go to the Michigan Maniac fan page and leave a review. Or go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave a review there. Go ahead and hit me up on the DM on Instagram or leave a message on the Michigan Michigan Maniac uh, fan page on Facebook letting me know you did it and what the uh, platform it was and I'll go ahead and oh and your full name and then your address and I'll send you out a free sticker so guys take me up on my offer everybody's starting to and I'm actually gonna have to order more and I love doing it because it's getting the name out there and it's fantastic so let's get into the uh, reaction episode right now forgive me for being a few days late uh, I was in London and in Manchester for uh, Slash of our mini vacation slash friend's birthday. I was fantastic. I love it over there. Uh, it reminds me of the United States in the 90s when everybody was a little less worried about being offended and we we're just a little, you know, politically correct and just would enjoy laughing and having a good time. And that was our main worry instead of who got who offended or what we identify as or whatever. Uh, Love that. So, anyways, uh, I watched this. Now, I'll listen. I watched this uh, in London. Oh, actually, I was in Manchester when I was watching it. I was pretty gooned up. And then I started hearing the reaction of people to this game. Um, I didn't see anything overly wrong with this game. Uh, we already know certain things, right? And we're not going to get a change from these certain things. So, we just need to accept this and when I say certain things I mean Shea Patterson we all know Shea Patterson isn't the greatest passer in the world he's going to make some passes where you're like god damn if he could just do that more often and we saw that in this game uh, he had a pass to Sean McEwen we had a pass to Nico I mean he had a couple passes to N well, Nico's two passes that he caught they were great passes good, right good ball everything going on but then there was one that was way too high for Nico to grab. There was one that Tariq Black should have had, but it was going to be a one-hand, one one-foot, come-in-bound type of catch. A uh, better quarterback would have put it somewhere where he wouldn't have had to do that. Um, but, 
hey, what are we going to do? It's Shea Patterson. This is what we got, people. So we then need to just accept it and move on because it's not going to change. Harbaugh is definitely not putting in Run DMC. And I'm actually kind of getting tired of people judging Run DMC and saying he's not good enough to be the quarterback yet. What do we know? We don't know anything about Run DMC to really say that he can't do it. We've seen him in, when I say seen him, we've seen him in limited, limited duty as a fucking quarterback for Michigan, right? Limited duty. I mean, 10 games worth, and not even full games. Like, so you can't even say, oh, he couldn't even do it for a game. He's been in flashes of 10 games, five per season, and this one's not even over yet. Last year, because of injury, he didn't... What do we know? I mean, he's 126 yards passing and two touchdowns and 99-yard rushing and one touchdown last season. That's in five games. This season so far, he's 10 for 20, 116, one touchdown passing, and 67 yards rushing on, on 13 rushes with one touchdown. So what? how do we know he's not good enough? Michigan is does this constantly, and this is the one bitch that I. This is the one thing I'm going to bitch about is our coaching staff, coaches, like they have, they're at a lower ranked team that only can get three star talent, that we are loaded with two and three star talent, right? That's what the fucking pain in the ass of this is. That's why uh, we didn't know about Cam McGrone until the Wisconsin game. And would we have ever known about Cam McGrone if Ross didn't hurt himself? Now that's the real question to ask. We had a hidden gem on the on the bench, mind you, the bench. And the only reason why we found out about him is because Josh Ross got hurt. He was when was he in the rotations? And if he was, it was probably very limited. So we didn't know shit about him. This this coaching staff, offensive and defensively, treats our players like they are only three star players. And some of the and that's even a slap to three star players, because there's guys like Ronnie Bell who are fantastic and three star players. Now listen, I can go down a whole line and if I did the research I could tell you all the great three star players we've ever had. But all I'm saying is, for the most part, when you're a team that can only get two and three star players, you have to bring them along at a certain pace because their athletic ability sometimes just isn't up to what a four and five star player is. Now, I'm not talking about the street, the three star guys that just got overlooked, right? And they they really should have been four or five star guys, right? That's I'm not talking about those fellas. I'm talking about true three stars, and that's what our would we. I mean, Daxton Hill should have been playing further. So it shows that at least maybe our defensively we're getting we're getting the fucking message through. Maybe we should play talent when we have real talent, right? Like last season. Here's a very good example: is why when. Uh, Olave in that Ohio State game kept gouging us. And not gouging us because we had a bad defensive approach, which somewhat true, but they just kept throwing it to him. Why? Because Brandon Watson was not good enough 
to hang with the speed of Olave. Olave wasn't the greatest wide receiver in the world. And if you go back to his last year's stats, that'll prove it. They just didn't use him very much. But they did one thing. Urban Meyer's like, this guy is fast, this guy is slow. Fucking hit it to him on a goddamn passing, on a crossing route. Because Michigan does two things. They don't put in their true talent. And they don't know how to do crossing routes. And boom, Ohio State gouged us and really broke up that broke open that game because of stupid shit like that. So we had Amory Thomas. Amory Thomas sitting on the fucking sideline last last season in that game. Amory fucking Thomas sitting on the goddamn bench of that last last year's game. And you're telling me he's you can't put him in there against Olave and be like, dude. We don't feel you get the, the scheme yet, but stay on this guy and eliminate him the best you can. So you're telling me Brandon Watson was the best fucking option at that time? No, it's not. But it's the mindset of this coaching staff that they don't bring kids into the game before they think they deserve to be in it. Plain and simple. That's just, And that's where we struggle. Right now, finally, the defense is starting to make leaps. They look leaps and bounds better than last season. And you want to know why? It's because young kids are making big fucking plays. And now it's starting to happen on our offense, thank God. But the quarterback position, Harbaugh will not get away from this fucking modus of our operandi. You know, his fucking, uh, I don't know, quarterback thinking or whatever the fuck he thinks he's doing here. It's just not. So we just need to accept it, right? We just, because he's never going to change. He's not going to change that part. So we're never going to know about Run DMC until next season. And it wouldn't Run DMC next or Milton. God bless either one of them who can come out and do it. But in plenty of these games, like this fucking Maryland game for existence, uh, existence, example, God. Uh, why couldn't we had uh, Run DMC in there earlier? And I mean, I mean, early. Was there any was there any chance watching this game that I'm watching it right now for the second time? There was no real chance they were ever going to come back and beat us. They were never going to pull at Illinois. It just wasn't going to happen. I mean, look at the stats. Maryland had 104 yards passing with one interception, no touchdowns. Then they had 129 yards rushing. So where exactly were they going to come back and make this a game? Where? As long as we had our first string off, I mean our first string defense in there, who gives a shit who our quarterback was at that point in time? Because we had the game won. I mean what, when we were up 21 to nothing? 28 to nothing? What was it, 35 to nothing before they even got a kickoff return for a touchdown or a punt return, whatever the fuck it was? I mean our defense pitched a goddamn shutout. So why couldn't we have run DMC right after halftime and let him play the whole second half? Why? There was no need to even fucking worry about this. This is fine-tuning shit, right? So I guess I guess you make the argument then, well, this is a fine-tuning game, then we needed Shea Patterson to be, be in there to make all the extra throws and get all the extra practice he can get. Why? We know what he's going to do. We know what he's going to do. He hasn't improved. He's gotten to last year's fucking peak performance right now. We are dealing with last season Shea Patterson. And that's great. And I'm whatever. I'm happy that he's to last season's peak performance instead of how he started out. So pre-Penn State game, Shea Patterson, Mr. Fumbles is gone, thank God. But he's not 
reaching any new levels. He's not reaching any new heights. So if we're not going to try new new offensive plays or formations or any of that shit, then why was he in there? There was no real chance of us losing this game. Then maybe run DMC should have been in. Right? So let's stop. Oh, well, we we already know what we're going to get with Run DMC and uh, Joe Milton. No, we don't. We don't know dick yet about those two kids because they don't get enough time and enough game reps to prove what they can do. And in a very short sampling, are we really going to judge people on that? Not at the quarterback position you shouldn't because if that was the case, then what the fuck was Shea Patterson still doing in half the season, Right? It's just that's that's the thing that annoys me. That part of our coaching staff philosophy annoys the fucking shit out of me. Yes, okay, did the defense look completely dominant in this game? No. But they looked pretty goddamn good. Yeah, Mike Loxley is gonna know how to put up some plays and run the ball, but guess what? They didn't do shit. We still fucking did it. Now, the one thing that worries me, and it's a minor thing, but it could be huge when we play teams like Ohio State, is the run up the middle. They, they Teams can get a better, uh, better yards on us than if they try to hit the corners. Our team speed is so fast from sideline to sideline and so much better than last year's speed. Uh, you're not going to be able to get big chunks of yardage on us going sideline to sideline. And it showed in the Maryland game. When they got big yards, they did it up the middle between the guard and the center or even, hell, dude, just the guard and the tackle right in that little gap. Either way, that's where they were getting most of their yardage. You there tried to do the sweeps outside, get outside of the tackle. didn't work. We're too fast. However, we aren't that big in the middle. So, yeah, plays up the middle are going to hurt us if we don't figure out how to stop that. But our defense is so much faster. So much faster. I just, I, that could hurt the runs up the middle. I don't know, however, if it kills us. I just don't. I think we're so good. And then, why, when Josh Rosh is healthy, who cares? He's not, he's not going to replace Cam McGrone. So put him back where he used to be. And that's where, Glasgow is so rotate those fuckers in and out. All right, Glasgow's a Butkus Award Award finalist, I think it is. So obviously he's not as doing as bad as most of us think he's doing. Either way, having that kind of added team speed with Josh, a healthy Josh Ross, is not bad. That only adds to the to the strength of our defense. So that's the one concern I have when it comes to somebody like J.K. Dobbins because he's explosive and he can run in the middle, um, but they're not going to get on us around the corner. They're just not. And we're too fucking fast. We're too fast for any team, I think, right now on the on the, on the side to side. We just are because we no longer just have Bush who can do it, right? We just don't. We have more players now, and it's it's impressive. Um, but let's get into the game. I mean, to think that Loxley, our offense looked kind of sluggish in some areas, but Loxley knows Josh Gaddis's habits. He knows what he's going to want to do, so they kind of game plan for that, and they made it a little rougher on us than we thought. Plus, we had just come off of the whole Notre Dame thing, so yeah, okay, let down, whatever, but still, we won 38-7. to 
We did exactly what we were supposed to do. The two-headed monster of Charbonnet and Haskins still look great. I mean, Charbonnet becoming the leading, <laughs> the all-time leading touchdown uh, rusher for a true freshman in Michigan history. That's phenomenal. You can't ask for more than that. They run hard. This And see, that's the thing. When I heard another podcast say that we aren't as good as last year on both sides of the ball, um, I disagree. 100% disagree. And I'll even go at the running game last season. It was all right. I mean, yeah, Karan Higg didn't rush for over 1,000 yards, but he's not a bruiser. And if he couldn't get to a hole, he couldn't get through. He can't carry runner. I mean, he can't carry tacklers. He can't break tackles. He was a guy who could hit a hole and then burn it through and run. He was a great running back. I love the fact he rushed for over 1,000 yards. It's great. But we have two guys now. Name one other great running back we had last year that did anything. True Wilson did all right. But was anybody like, ooh, the two-headed monster of True Wilson and fucking uh, Karan Higdon? No one was fearing that. But now you put in the fucking three-headed monster we got with uh, Charbonnet, Haskins, and even True coming out there and looking great in this game. I mean, he's been looking, he looked great in the Notre Dame game. He's just a solid overall running back. So to have that kind of three-headed monster hitting you, that makes your defense always have to worry what's going on, who's got the ball, where is it going to be, and it gives us more opportunity. I, just, I, I think we're in a much better position right now than we have ever been, even last year. I think we look better as an op, well, I, just, I, I think we look better as an offense. I mean, for fuck's sakes. Shit, Jesus, I'm watching some of these guys drop the ball. Sorry, I, this is a little distracted. But you know what, Nick Eubanks, catch the fucking ball. Right? Let's call out. Uh, wide receivers, you were supposed to be the ones we lean on and you're fucking up. Wide receivers and tight ends, catch the fucking ball when it's in your fucking hands. That's it. We can, I mean, I, I, you know me, I love bagging on fucking Shea Patterson. But when they hit you in the fucking hands, dude, fucking catch the fucking ball. Catch the ball. Plain and fucking simple. Because Shea can only do so much. He can't throw it, run over there, make you catch it, and then help you run the fucking thing. Catch the ball. So... Overall, though, I still think we're looking better offensively than we did last year. I because this year I don't think we're stuck if we're if we're from behind, and it was, and it proved it. Last year's team, if we were down twenty-one to seven or at one point twenty-one to nothing to Penn State, we wouldn't have been able to come back. We just wouldn't have. Plain and simple. And it proved it against Ohio State. We just wouldn't have been able to do it. This year we can. This year is we're a better and we're goddamn we're a much better defense. I mean, look at the team speed overall. I've I've already mentioned it uh, numerous amounts of times here in this fucking podcast itself. I mean, Daxon Hill is basically doing the Brandon Watson right now. Already an upgrade, one hundred percent. Already an upgrade. Cam McGrone replaced Devin Bush. That's a push at this point, if you ask me. And I'll t and it's a push, and fucking Cameron Groan's a freshman. So by the time 
he's where Bush is, it's going to be a complete 100% win. I mean, we didn't even use Bush as much as we should have when he was at that at our school, proving that we had a fucking NFL star sitting on our bench not doing a fucking thing in his first and, what, second year even? Our coaching mindset needs to change. You think fucking uh, Ohio State or LSU, Alabama, any of those dudes, those coaching staffs, give two shits if they're true freshmen or not? Because they know they recruit at a four-star and five-star level. So, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They treat their players like they should go out and be able to play from day fucking one. And that's what we need to do. We need to stop thinking that this poverty mindset that we've got to hold on to every nickel we've ever got in our life and then not fucking put the money down. We got, we're one of those fucking teams. If we want to ever be considered like an Alabama, then we need to have our talented players play when they get there. Daxon Hill is proof of that. Cam McGrone is proof of that. Even Devin Bush is proof of that. We should have been playing Devin Bush way sooner than we were. I hate to still get back on this this topic, but it's true. That's our main problem, is the mindset of our coaching staff not using the talent when we have it. Plain and simple. I just, that's the thing that frustrates me. I mean, our defense still looked good today. Our offense looked like it was trying to work on some stuff. And... Dylan McCaffrey, in a limited time, really didn't live up to anything we needed him to be. But guess what? Quarterback isn't like a isn't like a relief pitcher. He's not like the closer. You just can't bring him in and be like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna do it all. And then when you know you give him limited action, he's not going to be able to perform all the time. So let's cut that kid a break. Uh, overall, though, I thought it was a great game. We looked good. We fucking kicked ass, and we, we stopped them from doing anything of real consequence or note. I mean, what more can you ask for, right? Um, I still think we're not going to lose another game. I don't, I don't think the only thing that worries me is Michigan State uh, – Coming off, us coming off a of bye and playing Michigan State. We never seem to do really well when we come off of bye and then play somebody. The last time we played Michigan State at Ann Arbor, we were coming off of bye. And, well, we still had John John O'Corn, so who gives a shit, right? Like, that really was the main reason why we fucking stunk that game out. Was that John O'Corn could fucking make a pass to save his life or couldn't hold on to the fucking ball. So, yeah, I think... Maybe that was the main reason, but I'm not excited. Like, well, look what we did against Wisconsin. Even though that's a different team than what we are now, but still, it gives me a little bit of pause, just a little bit of nervous energy. But I think we're going to fucking destroy Michigan State. Now, the thing that's going to make me feel even more confident about the fact that we're going to beat Ohio State, because I'm not moving off of this. We're going to beat Ohio State this year. 
We're going to do it. My, Ohio State hasn't played anyone yet. Not really. And here's the thing with Ohio State, and this is what was Wisconsin's true downfall when it came to playing Ohio State. When you play Ohio State, this is the mantra that every team needs to live by in the game plan that they have to do. You have to make every one of your drives count. Every one of your drives count. And you have to limit them to the big play, right? You have to stop that. But if you make your drives count, meaning you can't go three and out, because if you put together two or three drives of three and out drive, Ohio State will beat you because they're going to wear down your defense, and all they need is that one or two big play ability because they can take it to the house every time you give them a chance. So make every down count, even if it's just wearing down the clock, even if it's just a fucking 10-play, 70-yard drive and it comes out with three points, or fuck a 8-play, whatever, right? Make them count so even then our defense isn't out there right away, isn't right off the just getting tired. That's what's going to kill us, and that's what's going to hurt us. But... If we do that, we make every drive count, we can win this game. But like I'm getting, let me get back onto this. What's going to make me feel even better is if, if we blow out Indiana. Indiana has been the thorn in our side ever since Harbaugh has been here. If our offense and defense can play a total game like they did against Notre Dame and really stick it to Indiana... That's going to tell me that we are ready and focused and hitting on all cylinders going into that Ohio State game. Last season was a great teller of consequence, I guess, or what, what a great predictor of what was going to happen against Ohio State when we couldn't stop the crossing route. We didn't look put together on offense. We were really showing how crappy we were as an offensive team. And then our defense had some massive holes in it. And it proved against Ohio State. I'm telling you, we go out into Bloomington and just fucking whip them. And I mean like 14 points, 17 points, even 20 points. We put a beat down on them. And we can. Indiana hasn't played anybody tough this season either. And when they have, they got blown the fuck out. They got blown the fuck out. By the two, their two losses, one was a, a, a loss that maybe they shouldn't have lost to Michigan State, and the other one was a blowout loss to Ohio State. And after that, they've played no one hard at all. So we need to get refocused, fucking come up against Michigan State, put a fucking beat down on those little assholes, and then go into Bloomington and whip their ass. Now, we should be solely focused Every game getting better to beat Ohio State. That's our focus. That's our goal. That's what we're doing. And if I see that the next two weeks, I'm going to feel even better about us beating Ohio State. But we're going to still do it. We're winning. And to say that, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you can be a pro-Michigan podcast or a pro-Michigan fan and be like, we're, we can't, we have no shot against Ohio State. Yeah, well, then, you know, Michigan State still looking for fan they're still looking for fans. I think that fan base needs some uh, some doubters like you. I don't care if we lose every goddamn game to Ohio State from here on out. 
I'm always going to predict that we're going to win because I believe that our boys can do it. I believe that we have the talent to do it this year. I really do. If we didn't have old man Greyjoy, who was fucking with us last year on the defensive line, we probably could have got pressure on goddamn Dwight ha or Dwight Haskins. Because here's my fucking argument once again, and I'll say it. I know you guys have heard it, but I'm still going to say it. How is it that last season we can get pressure on Wisconsin offensive line, Penn State's offensive line? We can dominate those offensive lines, right? With changing of blitzes and stunts and all that shit. But then when we go up against Ohio State, the one team that old man fucking Greyjoy, dickface Madison, fucking went to this season, and we got no pressure? We go from dominating top offensive lines in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten to getting no pressure on an offensive line that was suspect all season long with against Minnesota, against fucking uh, Maryland. And, I mean, the list keeps growing and growing with how shitty of teams they played last year that got pressure on Dwayne Haskins. And then we can't do it? It wasn't because they were better than us. I'm telling you, Greyjoy fucked us over. In typical Greyjoy fashion, that's what they do. They fuck us over. Plain and fucking simple, man. I hate to get all Games of Thronesy on us, but that's... What the fuck was that play, Shea Patterson? Jesus Christ. Sorry, guys. I'm watching this game over. Ugh. I, I want to bag on Shea Patterson so bad. All right. But they fucked us on that one, okay? They fucked us, they fucked us, he fucked us. It's just the way it goes. We got conspiracy theory, we got tinfoil hats, whatever you want to call me. But I'm telling you, Madison fucked us over last season. Didn't help us that we couldn't even cover a fucking crossing pattern, which we can do now. But in general, that didn't help either having a coach from the inside telling them everything that they need to know about our probably our calls, what they should be looking for, all this shit. And if you think that Urban Meyer wouldn't do something like that, knowing it's his last season, you guys are nuts. You guys are nuts. And coincidences just don't happen. I'm sorry, where's Greg Madison currently coaching? That's right, Ohio State. Was there a report when he was in Dallas fucking Texas? For whatever reason, I don't know why he was there. But with the coaching staff of the Ohio State Buckeyes, he was making fun of the fucking Go Blue call. The, our chant that we say to one another, no matter if you're if you don't know that Michigan fan or not, but when you see him, you always say "Go Blue," and he's making fun of that. Is that a guy who was pro Michigan and but just happened to go somewhere else for a better life or a better chance? No, that guy was a Buckeye at heart, and he's always a Notre Dame a Notre Dame guy. He left us for them too. So why do we think that that guy ever would ever have our best interests at heart? Why? Conspiracy ha conspiracy theories happen every day, guys. I hate to break it to you. Ask uh, Caesar when he got fucking stabbed up. Uh, <laughs> Brute was in on the fucking job, and that's a fucking conspiracy. All right, I'm done with the tinfoil hat thinkings, but it's the truth, people. Now, um, also, I'm going to toot my own horn on this before I get out of here, but you guys will 
thank me, and actually, you guys should feel appreciated, not even appreciated, you guys should be so fucking happy you listen to this podcast, because I come up with some theories that really do start to pan out, because even now, there are reports coming out, I just read one the other day, five top coaching changes this year, and guess who the five coaching changes were? Number five, obviously, Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, blah, whatever, and then when we get rid of him, they say we're going to go with P.J. Fleck, I, which would personally kill me because I can't stand that motivational speaking fucking son of a bitch. I can't stand him. He fucking rubs me the wrong way. He seems like the biggest phony. He's like the guy that uh, wants to be your stepdad after the second date of being with your mom. He's like sitting down. Hey, buddy, come over here. Let's talk it out. Let me help you. What is going on in your life? It's like, go oh, fuck yourself, dude. Seriously. So if we at PJ Fleck, I'll be, I'll be devastated. Uh, number four, I don't know. Fuck somebody. Doesn't really matter. Oh yeah, the fucking cheerleader, the bald headed cheerleader over there at Penn State, said he's going to leave and he's going to go to uh, USC because USC is going to fire what's his nuts. And I think that was four. Um, three was whatever, but let me get to the one I'm talking about. Urban Meyer going to Notre Dame. Still, they said, was considered his dream job. They said this opportunity will happen because Brian Kelly, which was the number one option, Brian Kelly is going to either quit or be fired. He's either going to quit or be fired by Notre Dame after this season, and he's going to go take the Florida State job, which then leaves the opening for Urban Meyer to step in and take over Notre Dame, his one true job, his one true dream job, because that's where he first started, everybody. Holtz's little boy got him a job there, and that's where he began, and that's where he's going to want to end this all, right? And they're in fucking, let's face it, dude, they're way closer to being a national title winner than USC is, and this fits everything. And if I've had plenty of episodes about Urban Meyer and my, th my theory about this, which was two seasons earlier than he even quit. So just go back, listen, figure it out. You'll love it because I'm 100% right on this. He's going to take that Notre Dame job. I'm going to look like I'm a soothsayer, like I'm reading the tea leaves. But really, I just love this sport and I love everything about it. And, you know, I'm not a dummy. So, guys, I think we need to chill out about this win against Maryland. Yeah, it could have been better. Yeah, it could have Shea Patterson thrown it better. Yeah, it could have, uh, you know, run DMC, had a better fucking outing. Okay, sure. All those things are real. But we still won 38-7. to so I'm not going to complain about it. This is great. Let's just hope we kick the fucking shit out of Michigan State because I hate, I hate them. I hate that fan base more than any, I don't know, them and, uh, them and Ohio State are pretty close. But I'm going to re-release. So this is a bye week, guys. So I'm going to re-release R.I.P. Little Brother episode um, this week because uh, it breaks down why... I hate Little Brother so much and why they don't deserve to say a fucking word about who they are and where they're going to be going because they're going right back into who they used to be, which was one of the laughable teams in the Big Ten. Uh, they're on their way. And that episode really breaks down everything you ever need to know about the history of Michigan versus Michigan State and when they became a power and why they will no longer be one. 
I hate the fan base, always will. Um, it's, yeah, just that's how it goes. I want to re-release -re that episode this week. I'm also going to do Ask Me Anything because you guys seem to really be enjoying that episode. Those episodes are really starting to take off in the numbers, which is fucking awesome. Glad to see that. Um, so ask me anything. So guys, get your questions into me. DM me on Instagram for any question. I don't care what it is, personal, not personal. I will answer it. Um, also, uh, go to all the fan pages once again. Leave reviews. I'll send you out free stickers. Dude, guys, let's get involved. Let's really push this and enjoy just being a Michigan maniac. Because we're really going to look back on this season. And we're going to say this was the season where we turned everything around and Michigan became a national power or the, you know, the beginnings of a national power, right? Because we were back where we always used to be. We're, we're there. We, and once Harbaugh got there, we got back to where Michigan always was, which is a consistent 9-10 and 10 win team. If you don't believe me, go back and look through the history. You will see Michigan, on the average, will win about 9-10 to 10 games every season on the average um so we're back so now we're making the next step and this is this is it that penn state game even in a loss is going to prove to be one of the most monumental games that we've had in the harbaugh era even though it won't go down as one of his best coach games um all right guys uh there's going to probably be about three three or four episodes this week so i hope you enjoy all of them and then next week we get back on with the uh the best you know the Big games of the B1G, the result show. Then you got the pregame, the big game pregame, and the results of the Michigan or the reaction episode Michigan State game. Um, it's going to be great, guys. This has been one hell of a season so far. Uh, thank you for coming along on the journey with me. This has been fantastic. And always and forever. And well, before I get to the sign-off, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. I know I've forgotten that sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't always feel great to be a Michigan Wolverine. But at the end of the day, it really is. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. And always and forever, guys, go blue.